Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season two of the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. This episode, we are reintroducing our podcast, talking about some of our favorite moments from season one, and giving you some insight onto what you can expect from season two. So before we have me talking for several hours by myself, let's get into the episode. Welcome to season two. We're going to do something a little bit different today. So usually it's just John and I and maybe occasionally a guest, but we've decided to bring in our colleagues, Dave Cassidy and Mark Counterman. We're missing our fearless leader, (laughs) Dr. K, but we'll make do. Um, We're just going to kind of reflect on our first season and think about what's coming next, and maybe introduce you to a few of the changes that are happening in our office right now. Yeah, so for those of you that have been listening for a while, although you may not have heard them as often as you've heard Kimberly and I, you have heard both of these people. At least once. Yes. Yeah, Mark was on our first generation college student episode, which is really great. We ended up doing a follow-up interview in that same area, so that has been a really nice uh, series and actually had a really good listenership on that. And then uh, hopefully those of you that were in the application cycle last year, uh, hopefully you uh, listened to Dave's really great guided writing exercise, which I've actually had a lot of people from other institutions ask for that recording so that they could use it with their students. So I just shared the episode. Yeah, I think that's been, been a popular resource. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it's season two. Pretty exciting. What's going on in our lives? So we're recording this August 16th of 2023. The day the sinkhole opened. Yeah, it's been an eventful day on campus. Uh, We all had this like wonderful idea that each of us would come in and like I'll be here on the same day. And then a sinkhole opened up outside of the parking garage where most of us park. I can give you guys rides home if, also if you might <laughs> be the one person not parked there. Uh, just take me t- to the top of the mountain, push me down. I'll eventually roll home. It's our little bit of excitement for the day, for the week. Uh, for a yeah, while. Sure. This is enough for a this while. This is the beginning. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you that don't know, first day of classes is Monday. We're recording this on a Wednesday. It's... Campus is bustling. It is, yes. There's a lot of excitement about the the new year starting and our second season is starting. So there's just this feeling of newness. And anytime there's something new that's coming up, I always like to sort of take a moment and take a look back at what we did before. A little recap of our favorite parts of season one. Yeah. The inaugural season. Yeah. It was great. So, Kimberly, for you, what was your favorite? Because you were here for a lot of it. So, I admit, I have not looked back at all of the episodes to remind myself. But just sort of off the top of my head, I really like our myth-busting episodes. They were really great. And I think sort of fun from the advisor point of view because Mm -hmm. a lot of your 
day-to-day meetings with students consist of sort of sitting and listening and taking in the student Mm -hmm. perspective or the applicant's perspective and then helping to sort of correct course or correct understandings where something is a little bit off. And so being able to do a couple of episodes that are dedicated to this, so hopefully we can catch those misunderstandings earlier, is really fun. And it also means that maybe we can have some more productive advising meetings because we're not clearing up these little misconceptions and we can really dig into your individual circumstances and your long-term goals and how we're going to get you there. Yeah. They're also very fun episodes to record because mostly we just like make fun of the internet and Reddit a lot. (laughs) Student Doctor Network. All the things. Oh gosh. Yeah. What a mess. Yeah. What about you, Dave? What has been one of your favorite past episodes? I think unquestionably the interview uh, that John did with Dr. Reese, uh, the physician who was out in Utah, Mm -hmm. like in the 80s and 90s, and she was the only physician or only one of two. It was her and her wife, who was a PA, were the only healthcare providers in the state of Utah that would see HIV AIDS patients during the height of the the epidemic. Right, right. That that was yeah. that was fantastic, and mm-hmm. it was amazing to hear her story mm-hmm. and the courage and compassion she had to mm-hmm. be in that setting and to care for those patients. Mm-hmm. And a part of it was hearing that, knowing that's a Penn State alum who did that, mm-hmm. and knowing that the students we're working with now, some yeah. of them are going to go on and do amazing things like that and be those people and be those people and we have the privilege of working with them mm-hmm. uh, in the early stages as they're getting ready um, to be healthcare providers that are going to do things like that that was amazing yeah I gotta tell you um, so like I don't really get nervous to record these episodes um, I was a little <laughs> just a little nervous that day I was running around this building like a crazy person and then there must have been there was a communication disconnect between our office and alumni relations. When she walked in, she thought we were just talking about our podcast. She was not aware that we were recording an episode that day. So all of that was extemporaneous. Like I had sent the questions ahead that I had planned to ask her, but they never made it to her. She didn't realize she was recording an episode that day. So that was her just like talking off the top of her head. And she was like that compelling of a person. She was so cool. I met her wife um, a little bit after, who was also just like so cool. She We now like exchange letters, which is like so wonderful. And um, yeah, so as she uh, said that she's probably gonna reach out about an applicant or two to the University of Utah too from Penn State. So making connections. Exciting. All right. That also happens to be my favorite episode. Um, You know, I the night before I watched the the documentary Quiet Heroes um, for the second time, just so like I had a lot of the details fresh in my mind. And my husband, John, came home and he had had a really long day at work and he saw I was watching a documentary and he's like, great, I'll watch this. I'll fall asleep. It'll be so wonderful. He was so enthralled by this woman. He's like, you have to ask this question. 
<laughs> he loved it. And he's like, I had no idea I was going to find this so interesting. He ended up sending it to his buddy from Florida. And so like, it was, that was a really cool experience. Like for our show, it was a really cool experience for like me and my family too. But yeah. Loved that episode. Mark, how about you? What was your favorite? Yeah, I mean, other than the first generation series that we did, <laughs> yeah. I think the, so good. But it's so good. Yeah, it good. <laughs> um, I love the interview that we did, but I, I think I really liked the unspoken part three, which was the interview with Dr. Gilbert and so talking good. about Penn State College of Medicine, because you not only got to hear about her like amazing journey into medicine and the opportunities that she had with undergrad and mm-hmm. then doing her medical medical degree at Mm -hmm. Boston University. Um, But then Penn State College of Medicine is where most of our students are going. Mm -hmm. And I think that that interview is going to share a lot with our students about the school, about what they're looking for. And I think that'll be a really useful episode for students to refer back to. So that I think was my personal Mm -hmm. favorite from the last season. I just listened to that episode again, like a week ago. Uh, because I liked it for pretty much every single reason that you said. Um, that episode was interesting on our part because Kimberly was supposed to host that episode, uh, but someone who shall re- remain nameless <clears throat> accidentally added her to the, the session wrong, and so it wasn't recording her. <laughs> it was It was great, and thankfully, like... You know, Dr. Gilbert is, like, so personable. She, like, gave us, like, such an expansive idea of where she came from in her background that, like, Kimberly and I figured out the problem, communicated behind the scenes, developed a solution without her ever noticing. I was noticing. feeding John questions via text message. <laughs> it was a, but, you know, it was fun. So here's the thing. With an oral history background, you know that what often makes a good interview mm-hmm. is um, the silent interviewer, mm-hmm. the person who doesn't interject and interrupt all the time, that allows the person being interviewed to freely tell their story without yeah. being led or directed too much, or even interrupted, because just like a, oh, yeah, or cool, or that's interesting, can redirect their thoughts. And so this was like a great chance for us to watch that in sort of in motion yeah in real time and she she really did it she just kept going and really told a lot of her story yeah i'm really proud of a lot of the episodes i think some of the earlier ones were a little um they were less refined um so for like full transparency none of us have a background in audio engineering like i literally am watching youtube videos to figure out how to do this like i am no expert we don't have a student assistant from the college of communications like coming in and like whipping it out it's just that's a nice goal and dream that we have but uh money is tight at the college uh but who knows maybe season three we'll be able to afford an audio engineer we've come a long way we have i've watched more youtube videos (laughs) i think the content has been great i mean not to sort of toot our own horn here but i think the content has had a lot of value even Mm -hmm. if we've had a lot to learn from the production side yeah so sort of like on that note like this isn't something that we wanted to do for like a year and be like okay bounce we out because there's so much for us to talk about 
we had like over 30 episodes in our first season, which is like nothing to sneeze at. And we're coming back in season two. We're going to be putting out at least that many episodes. You'll see some rebroadcasted episodes of season one uh, episodes that we feel we're going to re-release them sort of at times that we think they're important for certain populations to engage with that material. But we're going to be continuing to build out new content. So sort of in that note, like Kimberly and I, we could sit for hours and come up with ideas on things that we'd like to see. But we also wanted to have a conversation as an office about what we think is sort of like important to start putting in front of our students, especially through this medium, which can reach much like our office, any student, anywhere, at any time, both current students and alumni. It's a really great tool for us to reach students across the world, which we do that, which is awesome. But what are some of the topics that we would like to see? So we, we posed this question to Dave and Mark ahead of time. We're not putting them on the spot today. <laughs> but like, what are, as you all are thinking about the students that you work with, what are some things that you wish that they had the ability to sort of like sit with longer? Yeah, I'll start here. So I think the things that, that come to my mind as I'm meeting with people and professionals and doctors and students that are going to medical school, I'm like, oh, you would make a great podcast episode. So I've dumped like three, four, five people yeah. to potentially interview in the future. And I'm really looking forward to hearing them from the alumni episodes from our recent alumni that are about to start medical school to our alumni who are well into their careers in yeah. super specialized and interesting fields. Mm-hmm. I think they, they all have really interesting stories to tell and I think that is what maybe separates us from other kinds of podcasts or we can reach professionals or medical students that we've personally worked with and interacted with that have a connection to the university Mm -hmm. and then want to give back and and sort of mentor through podcasting the future medical track or PA track or dental track students. Yeah. What I love about this is when we record these episodes, they're going to live until the internet dies, which hopefully is a long time. I hope it's a, a really long time the internet's around, but you know this is it's a, what I like about this format is a, it's a static resource. It's not gonna move or go away. It doesn't disappear when you graduate, right? You don't have to like re-request access to something. It's you don't have it's not behind a phone call. It's on your phone, your computer. Type it in, and it will come up somewhere. So this information's always available. And now that we've covered some of these more foundational topics Mm -hmm. in the first season, we have more time to bring in guests and to get a really wide and varied perspective Mm -hmm. from the individuals that we work with and sort of what, how they see themselves developing in the future. So what do our alumni of 10, 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. look like and how is that inspiring to our current students? Yeah, because one of the things that like Mark identified as a unifier of these types of episodes is this idea of storytelling. And that's such a core central idea to our office, how we approach our work, how we approach working with students and encourage them to think of themselves as storytellers of their own experiences. And I love those episodes in particular. One, 
Kimberly and I get to do less talking, which is really nice. And I love to talk, but it's so nice to sit back and like really just like get to listen to somebody else because that's what 90% of our job is, is listening really well and asking really good questions. So I, I personally love those episodes and, you know, especially the ones that Mark has sort of like connected us to. They're all very different. They're very different populations, people, perspectives. So I think we're going to see some really cool stories being told this season. It's going to be less of the nuts and bolts, which is fun. <laughs> what about you, Dave? I think the other the other really good episode that I liked, I don't, I apologize, I do not remember her name, but I believe she's a current medical student mm-hmm. who came one through. Of yours. Yeah, you interviewed her. And we're pointing to Kimberly, people out yes. there. I realize that you can't see that we're pointing at And her. I'm going to have to remember her name on the spot. Brooke. Yes. I was thinking I remembered the last name, but yeah. Was it Nelson? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I'm putting together in my head uh, two separate first names and last names, and I think <laughs> I'm reversing them. But yeah, Brooke. If that I'm, was a fun one. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, I think one of the things I liked about her story was that there were one or two things that didn't go as well as she had hoped, mm-hmm. and she was able to convey that did not sink my candidacy. Uh, She was able to um, recover from, it might've been a class or two that didn't go well or something. It's not sticking in my head what the details were, but Mm -hmm. not everything went perfectly or the way that she had wanted to, and she didn't let it discourage her. I'm sure she went through the initial moments of discouragement, but she didn't stay there and she bounced back Mm -hmm. and persevered and succeeded and, and reached your goal. And I just thought that is such a fantastic story. And we mm-hmm. definitely want our students to hear that. And so yeah. that they don't get discouraged or stay discouraged when, when things don't go quite the way they want to the first time. Yeah. There were some nice elements in that interview of sort of some things about her background that I think a lot of our Penn State students can identify with. Not a lot of them, but like, you know, having a more rural background is something that uh, unites a lot of our students. And it's something that sometimes I think it's hard to bring up or you don't know when the appropriate time in your application prep and presentation of your application is the time to bring that up and whether that's going to be sort of a value add or if it's something that, you know, could be perceived negatively. And she does a really nice job of presenting it as um, a really important part of her background Mm -hmm. and her perspective that she'll bring into her future practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Struggle is a common experience of college students in general. Like for those people who've graduated, you've likely struggled with something like none of us like made it through those four or however many years unscathed. Like we all have like invisible scars from college. (laughs) Some of them are academic, some are not academic, <laughs> but scurrying through the snow the night of finals week with my dead laptop wrapped in a scarf, trying to find <laughs> a, find an IT person to save my paper. <laughs> so, so like struggle is like this universal like connector between all of us. And so I think that's helpful for people to hear because struggle needs to be like normalized. It is normal to feel struggle. It is normal to feel challenged. That is the point, especially at Penn State. Like this is not an easy institution. Like 
we are it is rigorous it is hard and it's by design but what i think unites our students who are ultimately successful is their resiliency and learning those skills through their struggle and being able to reflect on those experiences as the the times where they develop those skills is i think what makes our students in particular so compelling in the admission cycle yeah, I think the one thing with our students is they hit a wall at some point in their undergraduate career, whether that's they take their first chemistry exam or they are hitting physics mm-hmm. and they have that sense of doubt. And I think our team does a really good job of when students face that struggle. We don't tell them no, we don't tell them they can't do this, which maybe some of our colleagues in the pre-health advising field approach it in a different way. But I think we just support the students and say, hey, this is what your journey looks like. It looks different than person A or person B, and that's okay. Know that, how old was the oldest medical student last year? It's two years ago, it was 57. 57. Right. I was meeting with an alumni who has three kids and determined that she wanted to go back to school, maybe go to medical school, wanted to evaluate what that was like. And we we looked through these things and I said, it's never too late. Like, if you can make this work, then like your journey is possible. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to read. Well, almost nobody wants to read the same book 150 times back to back. Right. You gotta imagine this from the admissions people's perspectives, that they want to see the uniqueness of your story. So like forcing something that's not true to your story and your journey is problematic because it robs you of your story. I was talking to a student recently. And they kept interjecting. Yeah, but from your perspective, what makes a person successful in the application cycle? And I just kept reiterating, there is no one thing. It's about the individual. It's about where you want to take things. It can't ever be one singular thing that I just tell all of you because none of you are the same person and you do not have the same goals. Yeah. It's hard. It's way more conceptual than they want it to be. They just, it's It's hard too, because I want to make it easier and more transparent, especially for my URM students, my first gen students. And we're we're not like just taught to reflect on ourselves Mm -hmm. and what we want out of life. That's not something that comes natural to most of us. And Mm -hmm. so when you hear that, that's sort of like our answer to what makes a person successful, that seems really sort of abstract and perhaps even a bit nonsensical when you hear it at the beginning. Yeah. It feels like we ripped the carpet out from underneath their feet. Hold on. Where's the Uh You thought you knew what to do. (laughs) Yeah. Two of my favorite stories kind of building on the idea of challenge, um, had to do with letters of recommendation Mm. and a student, one student who, one of the best letters of recommendation I ever read was for a student who got a, a B in their, organic chemistry class mm-hmm. and another one that was similarly amazing got a b minus in the first semester of biochem mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And both those uh, professors wrote home run letters of recommendation for those students. Yeah. For both students, they failed the first exam mm-hmm. in the class. I think one, because it was organic one, that's the jump up in difficulty that mm-hmm. students often have to get over that hurdle. One was for BMB 401, the first semester of biochemistry. And that was because of some technical glitches in her study abroad program that the classes were a little bit different than what she expected. And so she didn't quite have the background that normally a student would have in BMB 401. Each of these students failed the first exam mm-hmm. and they were initially discouraged, but they immediately went to visit the professor. They talked to the TA or LA for the class. They worked on uh, developing the study habits or skills or building in the background that they had missed mm-hmm. uh, to prepare themselves for those classes. And each of them gradually got better with each exam. By the, the final exam, both of them got A's yeah. on the final uh, for each of those exam exams, but that wasn't enough to bring their overall grade up to an A and one got a B, one got a B minus. But the professors were so impressed with their perseverance through the class and their maturity mm-hmm. at not staying stuck in the discouragement, but working on it mm-hmm. and putting in the extra work and seeing their improvement over time Yeah, and seeing they got to the end and they really understood the material very thoroughly. Yeah, And they also, I think, appreciated the students' maturity and being willing to ask for a letter of recommendation from them, even though they had received, you know, only in quotation marks a b or b minus yeah and i think that impressed the professors as well yeah and so those are two examples of classes that didn't go perfectly for students but resulted in knockout letters of recommendation i love when i ask an applicant so what what made you want to be a an la for this particular course when i'm looking at everything that they've done they're like oh well i almost failed when i took it um but i made a great recovery and i was like you know what Um, maybe i could help somebody else who is following a similar path here yeah i think i think that thankfully we've gotten into this place as a field where we're really comfortable with students talking about times where they've struggled perhaps academically i think i'd also you know, some of the topics that I really want student that I want to see in this next season are around how to approach different types of experiences to, you know, we talk about the importance of doing shadowing and having these clinical exposures and all of these things. And so, you know, we are going to talk about maybe like, I I know I want to do some episodes around uh, summer opportunities and what are the opportunities, how you go about them, who are they right for, who are they not right for. We don't normalize talking about struggle in those situations. And we don't normalize talking about the lessons that you learn when those experiences are less than perfect. I think students really only want to talk about those situations that have gone perfectly. And again, that's sometimes it's a really important part of the story. And sometimes students end up focusing on the wrong part of the story by wanting to do that. Like, yes, you should be very positive in your application. You should be upbeat. But you also need to be realistic to the situation and experience that you had. And sometimes that complexity, that nuance is like just as beautiful, just as informative in your journey. So I think that's something to like sort of like build beyond this, connect to the series that I I hope that we'll be able to accomplish 
you know, that's one of the things I, I would really like to see. We better add it to the whiteboard. Uh, it's on my, it's on one of these pieces of paper over here in this sad looking stack. We have many pieces of paper <laughs> that we hope we find at the right time. <laughs> and most of them have semblances of notes on them. <laughs> Collections of whiteboards in different offices. Yeah, we have there's like three whiteboards in three different offices. All with beautiful notes on them. But yeah, so I think those are some of like the big things that I, I want to see in season two. Is there anything from your perspective, Kimberly, we didn't touch on? Well, I think Mark kind of started it. I just really like um, the option now that we've done a lot of the nuts and bolts to be able to bring more people in to talk about their experience and maybe even a couple of students at a time so we can get a bit of an exchange going because I always like a little bit of conversation here Mm -hmm. um, because it adds a little bit of richness and depth because Mm -hmm. you're always going to you tend to tell your own story one way but then when you have another person jump in and say Mm -hmm. oh you know that reminds me of this experience or hey isn't it funny that we all kind of misunderstood this part of the process (laughs) and I think that um it's it's nice to have sort of multiple perspectives kind of conversing with each other so I hope to be able to bring in not quite full panels but a couple of students at once to discuss their experiences so the podcast is just one element of what we do as an office you know it's I think it was a really important step in us thinking about how are we delivering content to the most people at the most places in the most accessible ways and efficiently and efficiently right like you know Again, I, I'm not the best audio engineer on the planet. I don't even consider myself an audio engineer. I'm like an audio steward. <laughs> I'm going to tell you where the exit rows are in the plane if there's an emergency. Um, but one of the... Oh, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, no. This is, How we, what do we do in our office? Yeah. So, okay. Thank you so much, Kimberly. <laughs> My brain really just emptied out. So this is just one way that we're working with students. And every year we take a look at what went really well, what we want to see grow, change. And so there's a couple things that we're sort of like unleashing upon the masses this year that are sort of in responses to things that we've seen over a couple of years. Cause I mean, Dave, has like been at Penn State at pre-health like longer than the rest of us not continuously but longer than the rest of us and so like he has this really great longitudinal perspective to bring in and like Kimberly Melissa and I all started around the same time and then you know Mark was like fresh and so I think because we have all these different perspectives and we have very disparate skill sets. I think we're finally at a place where like, we're just like cooking with very hot oil, like constantly. <laughs> it's that avocado oil. High smoke point. <laughs> High smoke point. Somebody degrees. clear Marty out of here. He's going to have an allergy attack. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use grapeseed oil Thomas's new like baby bubbles has avocado oil in it, apparently. Oh. And Marty gave him a bath the other night and he was just like... <laughs> so (laughs) so because like we've gotten to this point like where like 
we're all just sort of like allowed to like go in our own lanes in these places where we have like very specific skill sets. We've been innovating and doing a lot and adding a lot of things. And we wanted to highlight a few things. There's a lot more changes than what we're going to talk about today, but we wanted to highlight a couple big things that our people that have been with us for a while are, are definitely going to notice. And don't panic. We're never going to provide less. Yes. It's often just about tweaking the platform or our delivery in some way so that it works optimally and so you don't have any trouble on sort of the user side yeah. um, because we're not using the right technology or yeah. um, giving the right timing of our presentations or something like that. Yeah. So I want to talk with, a bit, I want to start by talking about, I think this shift that's going to be the most noticeable to our students who've been utilizing our services for a few years. And, um, that is our shift away from Canvas. So background, Canvas courses are built and designed to host a maximum of 500 students or users. Our course had over 3,000 and we were running into some really significant problems because of that oversized population in there. So Canvas no longer became a space that was reasonable for that. We talked about creating year-by-year year versions of the course, which was, like, going to be a nightmare to manage. And so we we realized that Canvas was just no longer sustainable. We found out there was a virtual sinkhole underneath yes. Canvas. <laughs> and so uh, that started a months-long process of trying to work with other offices at the university and explore different solutions. And um, what we ended up doing was sort of our first idea. <laughs> um, and I, I really want to turn this over to Mark in particular because he really did the heavy lifting on this. And I, I really want to give him all of the credit here because it would not be done if Mark had not taken this on and really pushed it. Um, so Mark, if you want to talk about sort of like shift changes, what it looks like now, how it's more user-friendly and <laughs> sustainable. Sure. So we have made the shift over to a SharePoint page from Canvas. And we made that because we were getting requests from students who were graduating and going off to Penn State College of Medicine, as an example, where they would keep their Penn State account. And they were like, I'm no longer on a pre-health track. Can you remove me from this page? My last name starts with R, which is page 67 of 90. And no computer in Canvas would allow you to get there. So yeah. we had to tell students that we couldn't remove them from the course, but they could turn off notifications. It's like a stopgap solution. Yeah. The Canvas page, and maybe you can provide some more background history as to when it was first created, because that was pre-me, but post you guys, right? Yeah. Um, at least the really enhancement of it wasn't as user-friendly to students and it kind of just became a sandbox of all of our resources. Mm -hmm. So like, here's our recordings, here's our announcements, everything goes out to all of the students at the same time. 
So with the SharePoint page, it's more aesthetically pleasing because it has a big button. If you're applying to programs, you just click on that and it has all of the information about applying to programs. It has a link to the podcast. It has a link to all of our recording se- recorded sessions. We also have some enhancements like a four-year timeline for students from first year to their fourth year if they're planning on applying and directly matriculating or taking one or more gap years, mm-hmm. kind of shifting that around. We have our coursework recommendations for different tracks posted, which I think is going to just increase the transparency from our office to the students, Mm -hmm. and it's easier for them to navigate. For students, they need to request access to this, Mm -hmm. so they do that on our main website, or they can find the link on our current Canvas page if they're they're on that. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes to make Great. it easier for listeners. Perfect. So they can request access to it. They don't need a Penn State account to have that access. So it's something that is available for alumni. They need to go through a process of sending a code to their email, but we can have that um, accessible as well. And then everything's there. And if they want to follow the steps, subscribing to our new listserv Mm -hmm. is another great way to receive our announcements as a substitute for what they would receive through Canvas. Our group advising sessions are in there as a calendar, so they can just click on the plus sign and it Mm -hmm. adds it to their iPhone, Android calendar, Outlook calendar. So I think it, it enhances, just like what Kimberly was saying, what we already do and makes it more user-friendly for the students as they get on there. And as of today, I mean, we only launched it, what, two weeks ago. We already have more than 500 students that have been added to the page and the semester hasn't even started. So I'm really excited about the potential Mm -hmm. of what comes from the SharePoint page. Yeah, we've already exceeded what we could have done in Canvas (laughs) in two weeks, which is wild. Um, Because I feel like every year we add about four to 600 new users to that. And so, yeah, the old system is just really unsustainable and and people will be able to unsubscribe. Yeah, they can just unfollow the page. So it makes, it it puts a lot more power in our students' hand to like actively choose to be a part of this community or actively choose to not be a part of it. And you can always choose to come back. You know, just because you step away from it, it doesn't shut this door to you, right? This isn't, you know a one-way street. This is a busy intersection with many ways to go <laughs> and U-turns farther down the streets. So you can always come back. <laughs> John, do you want to talk a little bit about our tracks? Yeah. So you're probably, and you may have picked up on this in a few episodes recently that Kimberly and I have recorded. We are starting to use different language around different groups of students. So specifically, we used to use um, some some terminology that was pre-med, pre-dent. We're no longer using that language. I almost hesitate to use it here, but I want to give you context. The problem with those terminologies is that, especially with pre-med, there's a pre-medicine major, and we felt that it really insinuated that the pre-medicine major was the best possible preparation for medical school, and that's just not the case. And so we really wanted to move away from the association between the two. One, that was a big part of it. Two, it is sometimes very interesting that students who have these really big, massive goals 
will be in the same classes and in the same areas and not know that their peers that they're in study groups with or in classes with have the same big goal. And so we wanted to start using what we call the track language to start to create communities around these different goals that our students have. So you'll start hearing us use the phrase med track for medicine. So, or dent track or PA track. These are the same concepts and ideas, but this new language A is, is really to create a better sense of community for our students. We're gonna have super cute stickers the tracks on them um, so that you know you can identify people with the same goals as you because we want to enhance that community here at Penn State because this is really hard and I think that being able to help people connect and talk about the difficulty of pursuing these things and the rigor will normalize that struggle normalize that like it's really great to ask for help it's really great to talk to the, your peers about like hey like how did you get involved with research that's something I'm trying to do you're going to be able to connect with your peers a lot easier so that you know that's certainly a big part of why we chose to do this um to we're very aware that we serve people across the Commonwealth in a variety of majors. And because we are located in the College of Science, sometimes it's really difficult for some students to view us as a service that is for them. And we also wanted to introduce this to really reinforce that like these are tracks that anybody can be on. And our goal is to help you when you're along this track. And also, much like a train at a transfer station, you can switch to a different track if you want to. There is nothing keeping you on a single track. These are not pipelines, right? In a pipe, water just goes from point A to point B, and that's it. In tracks, you can get switched to a different track if you need to. You can come back. You can take a break, go to the, the transfer house, like Thomas the Tank Engine, just chill in there for a little bit until you're ready to get back out there and pull some weight in your little steam engine. <laughs> so that's part of the big reason here, too. We are really trying to reach more students, and we wanted language that would be universally understood. And it also happened at around the same time that we we're thinking about what is our brand as an office look like. So we have a color scheme now and we have specific fonts that we use and, and we're doing these things because we know that there's gaps in the students that we're serving and we don't want to have those gaps anymore. And this aligns a little bit with a conversation that's happening nationally amongst pre-health advisors, mm -hmm. which is sort of taking a closer look at what the term pre-health means yeah. to those who don't use it on a daily basis and mm -hmm. whether it communicates what we want it to communicate. Yeah. And this is our chance to be a little more specific. Yeah. And even if you don't align with any of our like seven particular tracks, there's still like being on a health professions track. We are here to help you regardless. These are just the seven, the ones that we've created are the seven most common that we tend to see far from all of them. And so we just, again, we wanted to create that community and really reinforce that like, there's so many different ways to do this. You just need to be on the right track for you. So, so 
before we wrap things up today, we did want to give Dave a chance to talk about some of his efforts right now um, on sort of developing some partnerships um, across the Commonwealth so that our students can more easily and readily begin getting some professional experience. Dave, do you want to clue everybody in on what's been up? Yes, definitely. Um, several Penn, uh, Pennsylvania uh, healthcare employers uh, reached out to the Everly Brea Health Advising Office through a faculty member at Penn State who teaches in workforce development and, and labor relations and in that area. And they reached out to us um, and just through connections that contacted me in particular because most health facilities right now are understaffed and they really need they really need help and particularly uh, with people who can do CNA type work, patient care assistant type work, uh, patient care tech type work, mm-hmm. um, the real hands-on patient care. Um, that's they're sorely lacking right now, mm-hmm. and so that's their need. And they also know that we're working with lots of um, students on the tracks who we typically refer to as pre-health, but who can benefit from gaining that kind of experience and preparation for applying to med school, PA school down the road. Mm-hmm. And it really does focus in really on those two particular tracks. Mm-hmm. And so we, I built up on our webpage the list of those employers as well as scanning out um, other employers in the state college area. Mm-hmm. And then with your guys' assistance, found all the ways to search out um, training to get a CNA certificate nationwide and in the surrounding states, how to find EMT uh, certification training at Penn State, State College, uh, throughout Pennsylvania and the surrounding states. Yeah. So they can gain that patient care experience. And there's uh, two or three key reasons that we're we're probably putting more emphasis on uh, encouraging, especially students on the medical track, to pursue this patient care experience a little bit more, primarily because, number one, it's a pandemic-proof way of gaining clinical exposure. Mm-hmm. As we noticed during uh, the COVID pandemic, the students who didn't have training or certification of any kind ended up really being shut out of clinical clinical experiences for about two years uh, until things started to open up again. Yeah. The ones who were trained as, as patient care assistants or who had certifications as CNAs, EMTs, were able to continue working and get that experience through those connections. They often developed, were able to gain some shattering opportunities. Plus, they had a front row seat on to the worst public health crisis that we'd had in a century. And some of them have some amazing stories to tell, which might make good podcast material. Mm-hmm. That's probably mm-hmm. something that could be considered. Yeah. But some of them saw some really heart-wrenching things. Mm-hmm. Some of them probably had to grow up a little too quickly mm-hmm. because they were forced into levels of responsibility uh, because of healthcare providers getting sick yeah. <laughs> and or quitting during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, we hope that that does not happen again, and it's not that we, yes, cross fingers, knock on wood, but it is a way if you get a certification, if you get some kind of in-house training in the health system, then you'll be able to continue gaining that experience regardless of what uh, circumstances come up. Yeah. It's also a more active way of learning yeah, because you are actively engaged in, with patients and hands-on care. You, you interact with the healthcare team. 
And I uh, found out the other day also, I, this is kind of obvious, but it clicked <laughs> with me when I was talking with a student, a student who was very nervous about uh, MMI interviews, mm -hmm. and that ended up being the strongest part of her interview, she felt, yeah. because she had extensive patient care experience, and that's what provided all the material for her. She was able to draw on all of that in responding to MMA, MMI questions. Yeah, we've known for a long time, especially for PA, like it's required that you have all this right. experience. So like it's just always been part of the conversation with those students. And I think, you know, the pandemic, I think you're right. Those students, it's like pandemic proof experience. But more than that, I think it's highlighted to schools the importance mm -hmm. of those particular experiences. Like if we look at the data from the the. So each year, the AAMC puts out it, this really long report, which we always read top to tail. Well, I always read top to tail. And, <laughs> um, most of it's unchanged. So I really just focus on the parts that change. But basically, it talks about how specifically MCAT data is used in admissions. But one of the other things that they do in that report, which is so unbelievably helpful to us, is that they... Um, they survey admissions officers and they ask them to rank the most important things and the least important things in a student's application package, whether that's to the primary application, the secondary essays and the interviews. And we've seen a huge jump in where that clinical experience has lived in that list. It used to be, I, I feel like the very first one I ever read, it was sort of, and maybe that like least important, it moved up into the middle. And this year for the first time, it's up in that top tier. Exactly. This has been a, a, a shift in admissions and the expectations that they have, the value that they're placing behind these experiences. And so this is a reaction to that change and how admissions is approaching their work too. Right. So as you mentioned for pre-P, uh, I'm sorry, PA track students. It's all right. <laughs> We're still getting trained. I'm still getting trained on using the right language. That's all right. We all are. This is yeah. It's always been part of the conversation. They know they need it, and they're welcome to all, use all the resources that are on on the website and in the new SharePoint. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, but it's uh, a little bit of a stronger emphasis now for the med track students because of uh, the clear rating from the medical schools uh, that they're viewing that as more important. Yeah. Uh, than they did three years ago. So we want to encourage that. And that's why we we provided the resources to help students find that those experiences. And luckily, we have noticed from our collaboration with employers across the state, um, there are enough jobs to go around for all of you. So yes. there should not be any competition here. You should all be able to go out and get that professional experience that you'd like to add to your future application. Absolutely. All right. So at this point, I think it's a good place for us to, to stop. There's a few things that we haven't touched on and we're not doing that to not be transparent. We're just going to do full episodes on them. There's a couple things that we're really just going to dive deep into. Um, we've made some some changes to our comprehensive uh, sort of review process. For those of you that have been around a while, you might be like, I thought that was called the comprehensive interview. And that's because that's what it was called. We've sort of adjusted and refreshed this. And now it's more represented by a comprehensive review. 
So we're going to devote an entire episode to that because we want to really be able to break it down, talk about why we've made the changes, what are the purpose of these different components of what we're asking you to do, and how are we going to use it to help you put forth a much more higher quality application that you're really proud of. Because the worst thing that the worst feeling I have is when a student submits something that they're not confident in or they're not proud of because it never turns out well. That there's never a good turnaround on that. But my students that are like, I feel so good about what I submitted. Like they get excited about the materials that they wrote. Those are my students that are getting early interviews right now. My students that were just like, I felt so good about what I wrote. They're the ones getting some really good attention right now. So stop. <laughs> Rewind. Yeah. Listen to John's last 30 seconds of talking again. <laughs> And let that sink in. (laughs) That's our our goal. We want every single student we work with to feel that same feeling. And so that's one of the big things that you're going to see. Again, we're going to do a whole episode on that. We'll probably bring in some students to talk about their experience. Uh, Mark did some really great data collection with our students about their experiences with that our sort of comprehensive process. Uh, and so we'll talk about some of that data and how that influenced some of our changes as well. So it's going to be a cool episode. More to come. More to come. All we're right. excited for the season. Yeah. We're excited for the semester this year. We're already tired. I know, but it's... No, wait. We're so fine. Cool we're fine. We're fine. We have lots of energy. I'm simultaneously tired, but yet so excited because it's going to be a good year. The weather will bones. start cooling down a little bit. That it will part. energize all of us. We yeah. will bring out our fall fits. And it's in fashion. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. It's going to be take some of John's words from him. <laughs> yeah, whenever things are falling apart, <laughs> just tell everybody, you know, it's going to be great. <laughs> but Canvas is too big. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know what doesn't come across on the podcast? Huh? My eyebrows. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of like eyebrow raises. Yeah. Particularly Wiggling, me. dancing, uh-huh. squinting. Yeah. Eyes wide open. <laughs> well, I, I really want to thank everybody, especially those of you that have been with us from the start, have listened to every episode. We're so excited for season two. So thank you once again. And we hope that you continue with us on this journey on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Everly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and advice shared during this podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across our university system.